Whether you're a professional athlete or a seasoned corporate executive, it is easy to enjoy a lifestyle where a paycheck is calling all the shots. But is that sustainable forever? Welcome to Tell Your Boss I Quit with Pete Gutekunst, founder of Good Financial Services and financial planner with Raymond James. Pete helps you financially bridge from the journey you've started through the life goals you've imagined. Sooner or later, by force or by choice, life takes turns. Listen as Pete discusses how to take charge and make your move on your terms with confidence. You worked hard to create a career and now you're working to make the transition to retirement just as fulfilling. Pete's guest is a man who has some thoughts on that move. Ernie Harkness has been through the retirement transition and has some interesting perspectives to share on life and change. Well, hello, Pete Kudekans, back with Tell Your Boss I Quit, and welcome, Ernie. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation with our guest today. Ernie and I are friends from the Union League, and one day at a function I just mentioned him, I wrote a book called Tell Your Boss I Quit, and we struck up a conversation. And he started telling me what his life was like when he transitioned into retirement, what he tells people. I'm like, did you read my book? Because that's what I wrote in my book. So I thought it would be great to to hear some of Ernie's thoughts. He has some great perspectives. And what I like to do, Ernie, is is just when we start out and and anytime we bring on a new guest is just first of all, just share with uh, our listeners, just give us a little bit about your background and, and tell us your story about how you got to where you are now. Certainly. Well, great. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you that day, and uh, I appreciate giving the opportunity to speak with you on this topic. It's a pretty interesting topic. So I started out uh, many years ago in the uh, nuclear Navy under Rickover's program as a nuclear trained machinist mate, went on and rode submarines for a number of years. When I got out, I went to night school at Drexel, got a degree in mechanical engineering, and swore I would never go into the civilian nuclear power industry and ended up spending 40 years in it or 35 <laughs> years in it. Um, but went on and started as a, as a senior reactor operator and once again thought I would never get out of the control room because I really enjoyed it. And next thing you know, uh, site vice, a senior vice president comes by and next thing you know, he picks you out and you're doing other stuff. And and the progression right up through um, plant manager and site vice president at a couple plants. And that's how I got there. And then when I ended up stop working full-time, as we'll discuss later on in this talk, um, I started doing consulting and I sit on uh, safety review boards and advisory boards and and uh, try to play as much golf as I can. So uh, <laughs> that's how I got there. So and I enjoy it. It's just, you know, you got to keep happy and enjoy it. That's right. Yeah. Well, and you are, I've, I've never been around you when you're not happy. So if you ever have a bad day, look for Ernie, he'll get you cheered up. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your service in the in the Navy and thank you for your service. And, and I think uh, that probably sticks with you a long way throughout your career. So just share with us a little bit about how the Navy set you up for the rest of your life. I always knew I wanted to go into the military. I did not know what I wanted to do. And thank God there are company commanders and senior people in the military who can spot a young misdirected child and put him in the wrong place. <laughs> and uh, through a course of events, my company commander boot camp got talked me into going into the, the nuclear power program for a Rickover's program time. And that was very foundational for me for a couple of reasons. I'd already had a good work ethic. I'd been working as a young age, but what the nuclear power program had taught me from the Rickover's program was the, the quality of being knowledgeable, stringent education, work with quality, to get the best people you possibly can. 
and do your work the best you possibly can. So I remember being a young 20-year-old sailor in charge of an incredible amount of responsibility. And I think that's just stuck with me my entire career and helped me to work through a lot of challenges such as going through night school plus raising a family and that type of thing. It, it just set the stage on how to work hard. So to me, and I, I also, as you know, I volunteer at the USO down the Philadelphia airport. And I tell a lot of these young fellows, what, what you're going on is going to stick with you for the rest of your life. It's important what you learn. So yeah, it has a, had a significant impact on me. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, your, your company commander was really a, a mentor and an inspiration to you early on. And, and there you are at the USO with other soldiers and sailors and, and kind of passing on to them, I think. And, and that's how you are, I think, as I've seen you at the Union League, just with, with younger guys. It seems like you've got a little mentorship in your, in your DNA there somehow. <laughs> I enjoy it. Yeah, that's, it. that's great. That's great. Well, like I said in the beginning, you know, you and I struck up that conversation. And I, when I told you, I wrote, tell your boss, I quit. And, and you offered some really interesting insight. And I was just curious, what are, what are some of the core pieces of advice you give uh, about quality of life as people get ready to tell their boss that they might quit and, and leave that corporate job that they've been into for maybe as long as 40 years, like you were? Well, it's interesting. When, you, when we first struck this conversation up and you told me about your book, You've kind of struck a chord because I stopped working full time quite a few years ago, but I was in an industry where I was working for 35 years, where I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. It was a very intense, it was 24 seven, and it was a very intense industry. I noticed when I left, I, the, the way I had left working full time, I had a source of income that was coming in. So I did not have to work. And I chose not to do anything for a while. And about Five or six months into it, I remember my wife one day walked into me and said, you see what I've been trying to tell you for 30 years? And it <laughs> dawned on me that I, I had been so consumed with my career that I had never really looked back and thought how consumed I was. One of the things I tell folks, and, and I know a lot of folks in the industry, I still am very connected to the industry and do a lot of consulting in the industry. And I have folks now who are getting ready to retire or going to retire. And, and I kind of pull them aside, especially good friends of mine. I say, listen, it's really important that you don't do anything for at least six, eight, or 10 months when you leave. Because I guarantee you, when you leave on Friday, somebody on Monday is going to be calling you to come work an outage or come do a specific job. And before you know it, you're going to be back working full time. I think it's, it's just not good for your health. And I've told a number of folks that, and it's surprising how they come back to me and they say, boy, that was good advice because I didn't realize how tied up I was with the industry. So, you know, if you're in an industry where it's a very intense industry, and there's a lot of industries like that. I think if you're going to stop work, you really need to, to cut it short and make a break because that gives you a chance to take a fresh look at what you want to go forward. Now, one of the things I always say is don't be so open-minded that your, your brain falls out. If you're going to do that, <laughs> if you're going to do that, you really need to plan it. So let's take a look at someone who has been in, you know, industry and what have you. You're used to planning out projects and jobs and stuff like that. And I tend to tell people, I said, plan your retirement like it's a project. You know, you got to decide what is it. There's a financial piece. You'll talk to your financial advisor and people around there. They'll get you set up and tell you what you can do. But there's a mental piece that you really need to take care of. Otherwise, you will deteriorate. And I tell folks, I said, you know, you got to take a look at what it is is important to you. What do you want to do? And then you got to make sure you go and, and pursue that. 
And don't think you're going to pursue it right off the bat doing the right thing. I've probably changed. I've, it's been almost, well, let's see, I stopped working full time in 05. So it's been close to 15 years now. Right. I take that back. I did go back in the industry for a couple of years for a friend of mine. But long story short is you're going to be doing it for a while. I have changed a lot of things I do based on the fact that maybe it wasn't the right thing or I've done enough, I want to do something different. So I, I, I tell people, do you want to volunteer? What type of things you want to do? Are you going to get a hobby? You got to figure that out and then just go do it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you said something there. What matters most? I talk a lot about that too and, and finding purpose and and. You want to be filled, fulfilled in life, but you know, you've got a, a purpose to things. And I think that's really, really important. And I, I find it it's so interesting to hear, hear you talk because you really uh, kind of lived, lived, you know, we go through this a lot here uh, and the folks that we work with. And, and that's something that, that I talk a lot about. I just was with a, a family member not too long ago is getting close to retirement. And what, what are you going to do the next day? What are you going to do when you wake up on that first day? And, you know, if, I always wonder if you can't answer that question, then, you know, you might have a little bit of a challenge there too. You don't want to be one. Like I said, I like, I'm going to remember that. Don't let your brain fall out, but uh, <laughs> don't, hey, you don't do it so either. Mind your brain falls out, but, you yeah. know, but you, I, I mean, you really just sit back and you say, you know, if you were going to go into a project or go, go do something in your current job, you would plan it out if you were successful. And my point is, if you're going to go into retirement, you need to plan it out. What are you going to do? Does it align with what your wife wants you to do? And I and guarantee in a lot of cases, you need to get out of the house a lot more frequently than you think you do. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, then how you conduct yourself. For example, when you get up in the morning, you don't go put your play clothes on and, and hang around the house. You, you'll get into bad habits. I mean, a lot of times I'll have neighbors come by to drop something off and say, Oh, Ernie, you're all dressed up. Where are you going? I said, no, I get dressed up a lot just because, because it keeps me current. It keeps me vivid. It keeps my mind going. It makes me feel like I'm not hanging around doing nothing. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. That's right. And I've got to believe being having served in the Navy and, and being service-minded, having a, such a successful career like you did, you're one who's going to raise your hand. You're going to say, yeah, I can do that. And you said you want to take your time and find out what it is you want to do. How, how do you discipline yourself to say no? Because I think you get, a, you get all of those offers. And the next thing you, you, you said is you wind up working full time. How do you discipline yourself to, to say no to things? Well, that, that really, there's a couple of ways to do that. One of the main things that I do is that if I get offered to do something, first of all, who, who's, who's requesting it? Or if it's something I want to do, is it an organization I want to join? You know, and then and then and then what is the actual work involved? And is it worth my time and effort to take away from what I'm currently doing and enjoying? So you really got to kind of assess that. And what are you going to get from it? So, for example, one of the reasons I joined the Union League was the fact that they do a lot of volunteer stuff with, you know, the Good Citizens Day with our Legacy Foundation. And that's an organization that when they do volunteer work, things get done. Versus you sit on some of these nonprofit boards and they're they're almost like a well, let's bleep months a month for a social gathering and have yeah. lunch. Well, that's something that I won't join because it's it's not worth my time and effort. So I really try to evaluate where's the best way that my skills can be utilized. Is it gonna be something I enjoy and is it worth my time? And that's for like volunteer stuff or stuff that I offer to do. When it comes down to work, it really depends, and I say who's asking because I'll say the last eight or 10 years, I really only do work now for folks in the industry that, that are friends of mine or professional friends of mine. 
And, and when they ask, cause I'm not looking for, I mean, I could, I could try and work full time, but then again, what's the sense of working full time right. if you're trying to retire? <laughs> right. So that's one of the things who's asking me, what am I going to do? And sometimes I'll take on more than I want because a person needs a favor, which is important. You keep your relationships, but I guess you just have to really evaluate. Is it something that, is it going to provide me? Is it going to provide a service to somebody? Is it going to provide me what I'm looking to do? And is it going to make me excited and give me the stimulation I'm looking for? And is it worth my time? And, and it's okay to say no. Some people are afraid to say no. And sometimes you just have to say no. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. I think you're absolutely right. You, 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 you can get too easily drawn into that. And the next thing you're yeah, like I said, then you're, you're, you're retired. So many people say to me, I'm, I'm busier now that I'm retired than I ever was. And you, you want to enjoy life and have a quality of life and get out there on the golf course or whatever it is, like you, like you said, but you also want to stay engaged and, and feel fulfilled. And I know Good Citizens Day that you and I are involved in, that's a very fulfilling program. And, and like I said, I like how you said there, how things get done. And that's, I think too, is uh, we talk a lot about the capacity to retire. And what I mean by that is, you have the financial means. And what you're talking a lot, we talk about, do you have enough? And then at some point you have to figure out that you had enough. And when you reach that point, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I know I have enough. Is that going to be enough? And you're finding fulfillment and doing the things you're, you're working enough uh, or you're volunteering enough, but you also have a, you've got a, a fun time there and, and got everyone involved. One of the things too, is I tell folks who think they want to retire in the next four or five years now, the industry I'm in can be very intense and people can get really consumed with their work. And, and I tell them, what are you doing outside of work? Are you forcing yourself to have any hobbies? Because if you stop working and the only way you look at yourself as being productive is because of your job title or what you do, all of a sudden that's gone. And nobody calls you Mr. anymore. <laughs> when you're used to being the, the, you know, the senior vice president or the senior executive, of, and when you're, you're managing 2,000 people, you go to uh, some place where you're going to volunteer, or you go to the store and like you say something and nobody listens to you, all of a sudden you have to realize <laughs> that you don't have that title anymore. And mm -hmm. you have to be comfortable with the fact that you have to have other things going for you and you have to define yourself by more than what your, what your job is. And if you're comfortable with that, then you walk away. You don't define yourself by the title you had. You define yourself by what you do and how you do it and the, and the types of things you provide to people. So mm -hmm. you don't get, and you'll go through it when you start working. I mean, and you get to a certain age. And I know I play golf too with a more, I play golf with a bunch of seniors and most of those fellows are a lot older than me. And they were captains in the industry. And they'll tell you, people don't listen to you anymore. <laughs> and you just have to get used to that. So my point is, you got to define yourself by more than what your career is. And I think that's important. And I think it's important. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, you've, you've got to think ahead. And, and like I said, if you're five, even 10 years away, you have to start thinking about what that's going to look like. I asked the question, if you could afford to retire today, what would you start doing tomorrow? that's a question that you need to try to answer so that you are ready rather than kind of fumbling around with some of the things like you were saying there. You're, out, you're active, you're golfing, and you shared with me uh, the book uh, Younger Next Year, which I did read. I don't know if I told you that. I went ahead and read that. Frankly, I think any, any man over 50 should read it. I, my wife picked up the, the, the version for, for women, and I just thought that was a, a great book. And I was just wondering, 
if you could just kind of share with us, you know, some of the, the core recommendations of the authors, authors that you follow, because you're clearly, you got a lot of energy and you seem to be a, a shining example of what that book's all about. <laughs> I, I came across that book maybe a year or two after I'd stopped working full time. Someone had recommended it to me. I must have recommended it to maybe 30 people at this point. I really enjoyed it and it had a pretty big impact for a couple of reasons. It solidified some things I knew, but some of the things there were very impactful and I have followed and I find them to be um, very important. The, the fellow who wrote it, the, you know, the doctor and the, and the lawyer that co-wrote it, he got tired of having people show up in his office and then three months later, kill or dead and couldn't understand why. What he says is if you, the things you can do where you're not going to stop aging, but you're going to help, you're going to make it much easier. The thing I remember in the book, what hit me the most was he, when he was talking about exercising. And he said, you have to make time to exercise. You got to keep your body healthy. He said, if your boss calls you at nine o'clock at night and said, can you come in at four in the morning? I got a special project. What would you do? You would come in. Mm -hmm. And he said, so why don't you just schedule yourself to go exercise at four in the morning so you can get your exercise and you don't have to worry about saying you don't have any time during the day. And to me, that was very telling that you have to force yourself to go schedule and make time for yourself. And exercise is very important. And I now, I mean, I exercise, I probably, because of that, you know, I probably exercise five or six times a week at a minimum, just to ensure that I do something and stay moving and active. There was another piece too, is that you really have to keep your mind sharp. And one of the things that I have done, and they recommend too, he recommended, join some groups for those young people. It's astounding to me. I do some volunteer work for the Chester County Medical Reserve Corps. I mean, I check paperwork and I tell, I'm the old guy who sits in the desk and checks <laughs> the paperwork or tells you where to park your car. But a lot of times I'm working with these young folks who are, they don't have a job and are with a temp agency and they come in and you sit and you spend half a day or all day talking to a 25-year-old or a 26-year-old and it just, it keeps you engaged and I, I, it's funny because I'm also somewhat of a uh, closet geek and I start, they start laughing because I start asking them about some of the apps I download, you know, and I said, you use that app? I said, yeah, <laughs> I, said, I just can't figure this one part out about it, you know? So I always try to get very current with the new stuff and it keeps your mind going. When I get my nieces and nephews, they, they think it's funny. They're like, hey, Uncle Larry, did you buy any Bitcoin? Yeah, I made a ton of money on Bitcoin. You really <laughs> do buy Bitcoin. It's, it's just just trying to stay We're not current. recommending Bitcoin. I just want no, to make we're full not disclosure on that. Bitcoin, no. <laughs> but my point is I, I only did it because I wanted to learn how to how to buy and sell it. And, mm. and my point was there is not that it, was, it could have been anything, but you, you need to try and keep your mind stimulated and stay current. And it's funny when you, I find when I'm around the younger folks, it, it just motivates you to, to it's, it's, it really helps out well. So yeah, so a number of things in that book that were, and then the other part I liked about it too was if you're going to get into hobby, buy the top shelf stuff. You already made enough money. Buy the top shelf stuff. Yep. You know? Yeah, I thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to explain it to my wife, but she already had that. That damn yeah, pretty good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I showed my wife a, a high end rowing machine I was interested in, and she's like, "Are you crazy?" So <laughs> I got to get her to read that part. <laughs> yeah. No, that's amazing. I think. Just staying active, like I said, it just keeps your mind sharp. It's not a big commitment, but do you, do you get up at 4 a.m.? Are you a are you crack at dawn guy and get, getting right at it? I, I have to tell you, I, my whole life, I had to be at work at usually 6 o'clock. I'm usually up by 4.30, 5 okay. o'clock, generally. For me personally, that's when I get most of my work done. If I have, like Especially if I have to write a report or something, 
between like 5.30 and 9, I'll get the report knocked out. Or, and I never send something out the day I write it. I always save it the next day and reread it. But yeah, I do oh, get a good advice. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I always, right. I'll never send anything out the first, the day I write it. I always send it out the next day because they got to reread it because, you know, it's amazing how engineers can't spell. <laughs> that's the other thing too. When, when you're on your own doing consulting, you have no one to proofread your stuff. Uh, I, thank God I get my wife to do it occasionally, but it's pretty interesting. And I also, for those who are going to go into consulting, just a, a short note is, you know, one consultant once told me, he says, you don't really get a, a performance appraisal. He says, the only way you really know if you're doing well is whether you get asked back. <laughs> that's hard right you do a good job and you need that you need feedback you know you know who's how am i doing right (laughs) well now now that you are retired what are you doing now that that you couldn't before or have you discovered something that you really enjoy in retirement that you had never done before the the one thing the couple things i'm doing now that i always wanted to do and really was just very too busy one of them is a lot of volunteer work I think if you look through your life, not to get philosophical, but you're born, you grow up, then you go to school, you learn a little bit, you raise a family. I think the fourth part of your life or your career, you really need to give back. And mm-hmm. I always just really like the fact that I could volunteer. So I, I do a lot of different work, volunteer for a lot of different organizations, which I had not had the ability to do uh, prior to that, which was, which was important. I enjoy that. The other thing too is now I can pick a topic. I like to read certain areas and certain types of topics. And now I could pick a topic and, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, I can sit down in a chair and read for three hours and I don't feel guilty. <laughs> and, and I just find that really rewarding because there's a, a number of different, I'd say over the last 10, 12 years, there's a number of different topics I might have, and you can dive deep into it. I can read like 10 or 12 books on it. So I find that really enjoyable. And, and I enjoy that. So that's like two things that I never had the time to do. And, I, and I'll tell you the third thing is I'm actually, and I think part of this too was pushed with COVID. I'm more friendly with my neighbors. I have time to, instead of rushing to get home, you're driving home and you, you, you're sweating because you got 10 minutes to drive and you got a, you got a conference call in 15 minutes. You want to get home before you do it. You know, it's yeah. like that kind of crazy stuff. And you see your neighbor and you wave. Yeah, and right. Now I stop mm-hmm. the car and I'm the old guy talking my ear off, you know. <laughs> but you really get to know your neighbors and stuff like that. And I think that, and, and I think that that's gives you another sense of wanting to want to go you know, the next day, you know. So it's it's uh it's different. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Yeah. I'm I'm out walking walking the dog in the neighborhood all the time and the neighbors will go by and wave. So I'm I'm going to try I'm going to step in traffic there and, and make them whirl their window down. <laughs> it's funny cuz you know, sometimes you know cuz some of the guys are busy working and they and are out walking the dog got to get back to get the call. Yeah, right. like, yeah you don't know. <laughs> I know like Ernie, come on, give me a break. You know, I'm like but, Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, you know, you and you just you have the time to to really get to know people where I think in the past, you just might have been so caught up. And I think that it's funny. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so fascinating. I think just listening to you, I've, I've been been at this in my career for, for 30 years, working with people in this transition stage. And we first met and I told you, I wrote the book and you're, you're giving me real life, real world experience of, of <laughs> you know, of what we wrote about and on the parts that we see. And it's so true. I think you have to really people get too wrapped up in, in the money part. We can figure that out, but what are you going to going to do? Otherwise you're just going to, you're just going to wither on the vine, right? And, yeah, and you, you're making it happen. <laughs> you can figure the money. I, I know one fellow that I'll say 35 years ago who retired, I remember he telling me what he was going to do. And he said, 
I'm spending my money. He says, I, I've, I've never seen too many hearses pulling a U-Haul full of money to the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a good point. Good advice. Good yeah. advice, right? <laughs> yeah. Is there anything I, I, I didn't ask you or anything uh, you think that uh, people who are maybe five, 10 years away from retirement, you want to kind of throw out there? If you're 15, 10, 15 years away and thinking about it, you have to think about what did you do during your career and how did you help people? I've always... For years, one of my big mantras and what I used to preach to my, my, my directors and my manage, my new managers, I used to tell them, you really have to be an educator before you're a leader. You, you've got to educate mm-hmm. people because you can't lead if you don't know how to educate people. And I used to always tell that to people. I said, you got, you got to show people what to do. You got to educate them. You got to teach them. You got to mentor folks. Otherwise, you're not leading anything because you don't do all the work. They do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The rewarding part about that to me is it's funny. Now, every now and then I get a phone call from someone from five or 10 years ago and uh, they'll say, Hey, Ernie, how you doing? Have, hey, listen, can you help me with this? I know you gave me help here seven, eight years ago. Can you give me some advice? And, and my point there, to me, I find that very rewarding. Mm-hmm. That's more important to me than getting a bonus. Although I like getting bonuses, but <laughs> it's more important, you know, because that's something that. You, it doesn't leave you. You feel really glad you accomplished that. And my point there is, if you're getting ready to retire in five or 10 years, you need to think about how are you going to be remembered? Are you going to be the guy who was very helpful, the person who was very helpful in helping some young fellow or some young person around their career? Or are you going to be the fellow who leaves, who complained about everything and they're actually glad to see you go? <laughs> and I think that, that I've cautioned people because through the years I've cautioned people, especially fellows who are like, say, five or six years from retirement, they've been around doing the same same job for a long time, and they just tend to get bad attitude about it. And it's just, it's not good for the organization, but they they, they leave with the wrong impression. And that that's that to me is important. And I think if you're going to think about when you retire, you need to think about what is your legacy and how do you build that? Because when it comes back to you, after you do retire, you're going to feel really very good about that coming back to you. Yeah, coming back. Yeah. And that makes it, that's, that's good advice again. And I, I think it's about in that stage, in that period of time, I think that also like what I said about it, have you had enough? And, and if you can write that down and really reflect on what you have accomplished, you're saying you don't want to be the guy who left with that. But you might reflect and think, hey, I've done a really good job. And, and if I leave, I'm, I'm leaving something that I can feel good about and be proud of. And, and they will miss me. And, and that also might make leaving and making that transition out because you, you feel like I've accomplished enough. I've had enough. And I'm ready for that, ready for that next step. Yeah, it puts a closure to it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I, I only had, I never had a really going away party, a retirement party, but I did get pulled back into the industry. A friend of mine had a problem with a plant and I went and after two and a half years and, and they gave me a going away party. But but it was funny because I you, you feel like you need it. But I, I always felt that I left with, in my opinion, with such a good feeling about it and people that I felt like I really, and knowing now that they call me back, I know I was accurate and, and it makes you feel like I had closure to a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, Ernie, I always tell people when you leave an organization, you want to leave it better than the way you found it. And every time I have a conversation, you make me feel better than better than I did when I started. Thanks for sharing all of that. I, th- I think I'd really like people to take away from this is think about the things that aren't financial. Ernie, you've shared so many great insights into 
you know, how to prepare for retirement and, and how to live after the paycheck ends, so to speak. But it's really not about the money. It's about life and fulfillment. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and you can certainly get more of that from the book, Tell Your Boss I Quit. Encourage you to take some of Ernie's tips here and, and start thinking about, about your, your own next stage of life. So Patrice, I'm going to turn it back to you. Ernie, want to thank you for joining us and make sure you follow our podcast and, and there's more to come. That was great, guys. Really thought-provoking, Ernie. Very thought-provoking. Ernie Harkness with Pete Gutekunst, the author of, as he says, Tell Your Boss I Quit, and the host of this podcast with the same name. And as Pete said, make sure to follow because that way you'll be notified when a new episode is ready for this podcast. And yes, share with friends and colleagues. Thank you for listening to Tell Your Boss I Quit. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. To learn more about defining your financial purpose and how you can thrive and not sacrifice your spending in retirement, download Tell Your Boss I Quit by Pete Goodekinst. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc., Goot Financial Services is not a broker, dealer, and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. 